0: Ahop TV empowers believers with spirit inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. How many of you are in some kind of transition right now? Okay, almost everybody, at least three of you are lying, but that's okay. I won't I won't call you out. Transition is something that's part of life. I but I feel like I live in transition. Seriously, some of them good, some of them bad. The reality is that transition can be very stressful. As a matter of fact, psychologists say that transition such as moving or getting married or, you know, changing jobs. These sorts of things are among the most stressful events in life. And I've had a lot of it. I've had a lot of transition, a lot of transitions. Some of them are scary, some of them are exciting. They're all stressful. You know, there's this thing called stress, but there's you stress, EU stress, and distress, but it's all stress. How many of you have been married? On your wedding day, you were you were a little stressed, right? You're a little nervous. It was good stress, but it was still stress. And so we have to learn how to navigate these times of transitions so that we don't get stressed out turn your neighbor say don't get stressed out stress is running rampant among Christians and part of it is because of all the transitions that we experience so we can't do God's part but God won't do our part our part is to position ourselves for the shift those of you who aren't in transition I'm sure many of those who did not raise their hand, you wish you were in transition. You're stuck somewhere. You are waiting on something to happen, something to change. You're praying for a transition, a new job, a new, hopefully not a new husband or new wife, but a new something, a new something. You're waiting. So we can't shift our seasons. God does that. But we can create a climate, a spiritual atmosphere in our lives that invites him to do what he wants to do. And a lot of it is work in our heart. We have to understand that God won't promote us, shift us, transition us into something new until we're ready. Otherwise, we cannot sustain the new glory. And that doesn't bring him glory. When he gives us something and we fail, we drop it. We we, we aren't ready. We can't contain it. It doesn't give him glory. And so he wants to get all the glory he can out of our lives so that a lost and dying world would be provoked to jealousy by looking at us we are supposed to be living epistles living epistles i am got I got one amen living epistles let's talk about some keys keys to transitioning the first key I'm gonna ask a series of questions today these are rhetorical questions these are not questions you'd answer out loud these are questions for you to ask yourself The first one is how much do you trust God how much how much do you trust him because many times we'll say oh I trust him with all of my heart I trust him with everything in me I trust you even with my own life unto death but then you know layoffs start circulating around our job site and we're scared so when we're in anxiety hear me when we're in anxiety when we're in fear when we're worrying we are not trusting You cannot be in fear and be in trust at the same time. So these are signs that you have stopped trusting God. The moment a worrisome thought comes to you, you have stopped trusting God. This is a signal to you to grab hold of your mind, to get some materials playing, some, you know, I like when I go through serious trials or I get hit real hard in my mind, and we all do, I love to put on Joyce Meyer's teaching because it's so grounding. And I sort of in some ways outgrew some of those basic principles. But when you're getting hit with a trial and your trust and your faith are being shaken, the best thing to do is go back to your roots. Go back to the foundation. Go back to what the word says. And many times you can't string two thoughts together. That's why you go to other safe voices. The Lord spoke to me this morning about safe voices. Because there's so many voices rising because of social media. So many voices with something to say, but they're not all safe. And if you don't surround yourself with safe voices, you will be quickly confused and quickly led astray. So when I get hit, when I feel my my trust in God is being shaken or being attacked, I go back to the safe voices with which I grew up in the faith. Here's the thing. How much do you trust God? And the reason why I ask this is because you will not follow a God that you do not trust God has tried to transition me many times out of things and it takes me two years many times two years two years to obey fully two years and I finally have caught on at this stage of my life I have caught on it does not take me two years anymore but it took me two years to leave a very abusive controlling church it took me two years to shift out of certain positions in which God gave me because we get so comfortable Somebody poke your neighbor in the side and say, get out of your comfort zone. See, we we want to stay in our comfort zone, the fleshly comfort zone, the soulish comfort zone. But the Holy Spirit is trying to get us out of this comfort zone and into his comfort zone, which sometimes doesn't feel so comfortable. But he's there. He's there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Oh, y'all ain't helping me today. You won't wait on a God that you don't trust. And waiting on God is so Important waiting on him. We see this concept in the Bible. Abram, the, the angel of the Lord came and said, You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac. Well, they waited and waited and waited and waited. And Sarai, his wife, got impatient. Somebody say, impatient. impatient. Yes, Impatience is the fruit of pride, but I won't look at anybody she got impatient and she decided to help God and this is how we get ourselves in so much trouble we decide to help God do what he said he wanted us to do (laughs) they birthed an Ishmael because Sarah and Abraham didn't wait on the Lord they birthed an Ishmael and that Ishmael has been wreaking havoc in the nations of the earth since then wreaking havoc we have many problems terrorism around the world today because of one wrong decision can you imagine I won't go there when things don't work out in my favor. I've come to know that it's because either God is protecting me or God has something better for me. So we have to trust him. We have to wait upon him. Many, many years ago, I I, I wanted to write this book called The Making of a Prophet. And I felt like somebody say I felt like can't trust your feelings. I felt like I needed someone more senior than me. To co-author it with me I felt like I needed someone with a more recognized voice in the prophetic than I had at that time to co-author it with me and I actually sat down with this man of God at a dinner table and we agreed to write this book together and I was so thrilled I was so excited I said wow this is gonna be awesome this message is gonna get out there and I'm gonna get to write this book with this cool guy this wonderful prophet and it turns out a few weeks later he said you know what no I'm, I'm gonna just write it by myself but I'm gonna call it something different and I was so upset first of all I felt betrayed because I'd given the whole outline the whole chapter outline and everything I felt like I was being robbed from honestly it was a bad situation but then you know I sort of I had to forgive I had to let it go that's what we have to do right because you, you will never transition if you don't trust God enough to forgive those who did you wrong and trust him enough to vindicate you for what they did And so finally, some years later, two or three years later, I pitched the book, The Making of a Prophet, and it is one of my best-selling books of all time, and there's nowhere that I go in the world where someone doesn't come up to me and say, thank you for writing that book, it saved my life. I thought I needed someone else to write it with me, but I was more than able to do what God had called me to do without the help from somebody else. And many times we try to get somebody else to help us to do what God has called us to do, and it dilutes it. Abram didn't need Ishmael's mother, Haggai. She didn't need him. He didn't need her to fulfill his destiny. We do need people, but we don't need everybody. God wants you to stop walking around the mountain. He wants you on top of the mountain. Trusting God means walking by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith and not by sight. You know, the Lord put it on my heart to start an awakening house of prayer in London. And that's a city that is known for Eating prophets and spitting them out. I've been warned many times, but I got the word of the Lord from several established prophets. Please come, please. Our nation needs you. Please, there are not enough prophetic voices, not enough prophets, and not enough prayer. Please, we're at a critical time in our nation. So I just went there, and the, <laughs> not knowing what I was going to expect, and a guy from the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry in London says, "Oh, you you're good to House of Prayer?" I said. Yes. Where are you going to do it? I don't know, brother. I'm just walking by faith. And he said, well, why don't you just use our facility? Amen. So we do need, amen. We do need some people to help us do what God needs us to do, but we need the right people. And we have to trust God to bring us the right people instead of just trying to connect with the person who looks like I don't know who I'm talking to. This is not part of my message. We try to connect with anybody and everybody hoping that they're the ones we have to wait and trust God to bring the right ones to us to do what he's called to do or to bring us the provision or whatever it is. Faith and patience. See, the Bible says, by faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. It doesn't say by faith and impatience. It doesn't say by faith and frustration. It doesn't say by faith and manipulation. It says by faith and patience. And I'll tell you, five, six, seven years ago, when my daughter left home uh, to go off and do missions work, I wanted to move to London so bad. I just wanted to, I had to start over just go to just go to London I, that's like I'm I, 98% British by by DNA and I just wanted to go to so battle says no I want you to stay in America and I waited on the Lord and now the Lord has given me the best of both worlds because now we're gonna have a place in London and a place here hallelujah you must wait on the Lord it's a good word amen it's a good word I know it's hard sometimes to trust the Lord but it's worth it number two do you know the word Do you know the word? Faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to trust God, see, trust is different than faith, but you need faith to trust. You have to get in the word. Faith for transition. (laughs) See, many of us know the word, but when you know the word, when you really know the word, when the devil comes and tries to stop you in your shift, you won't listen to the lies. But our problem as believers, even believers who love the Lord with all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our strength is we at times, especially times of trial, at times have a tendency to believe what the devil is saying over what God is saying and we have to discern which voice is speaking and choose to cast down the lies many times we believe what the enemy is saying you're not good enough who do you think you are to try to go to college nobody else in your family did who do you think you are to try to start that business you don't have any business skills but God has prophesied it five prophets have come and an angel has blasted a trumpet saying do this thing but we believe the lies of the enemy over what God has told us Amen. We have to believe him, but we have to do. I've been I've been stuck in Joshua now for months, but I was reading it again this morning and I'm going to share some maybe maybe another time about that. That battle cry, because I just it just blew me away today. Sometimes studying the the Greek and the Hebrew will reveal more to you about what God is saying than what particular translator chose to to translate it. But Joshua one and eight as he was going to cross over to transition into his promised land. The Bible says, God said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Somebody say, Day and night. Say, Day and night. Day and night. That means not just 10 minutes in the morning. That means make it your life. Meditate on it. Meditate therein day and night. And then it says, And be careful to do all that it says. Then you will make yourself prosperous, and then you will have good success. In your transition, especially, some, you, you, you got to study and, 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 and read the word and meditate on it all the time. But when you are in transition, you better grab a hold of that word like the anchor of your soul. Because that is what it is. When the winds come and blow, when the bad news begins to spread, when you don't know which way is up, you better grab a hold of your Bible and not let it go. Meditate therein day and night and you will walk into your promised land. I guarantee it. The issue is, is that knowing the word and acting on the word are two different things, because I'm sure, and I know that I know that I know that all of you in here know the word. We know the word because when somebody else goes through a trial, we're able to tell them exactly what to do, aren't we? We, oh, sister, let me just tell you, just trust in the Lord. Just walk in love. You know, we're able to tell them exactly what to do. We know the word, but the Bible says that knowing the word and not doing what it says brings deception. We have to act on the word. The Bible says faith without works is dead being alone. So we must not just know the word. We have to put feet to our faith and do what it says. This is why sometimes we get so confused. We don't know what to do. We have to make a decision and we don't know what to do. Do I stay in this job? Do I marry this person? Do I quit this job? Do I leave this church? Do I move to this new city? Do I launch a house of prayer in Hong Kong? What do I do? But if we don't take, listen, you have to understand that if you take a step of faith and you really feel like it was the Lord, you really believe you got wise counsel you heard the Lord you've been doing your spiritual disciplines and you take a step and you're wrong guess what God has your back many people don't take a step forward in transition because they're afraid they're going to miss God but I tell you I believe firmly in my heart that many people miss God by not taking a step rather than missing God by taking the step I think you're much more likely to miss God by not moving if you take a wrong step God has that global GPS make a U-turn make a U-turn and he is so faithful and so gracious and so merciful that he will indeed work all things together for the good Romans 8 28 is absolutely true do we have anybody on the camera today I feel like I'm stuck in a box here number three are you yielded to the spirit James 4 and 7 Are you yielded to the Spirit? Are you yielded to the Spirit? The Bible says in James 4, 7, So be subject to God, other translations say, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. James 4 and 7, Submit yourself to God. The Amplified Version says, Stand firm against him, and he will. Will flee from you see if you're not resisting the devil then you cannot be submitted to God because the Bible says submit yourself to God and resist the devil so if you're not resisting him if you're just letting him lie to you if you're allowing him to just you know wreak havoc in your life and you're not resisting but see I understand because in long battles we get weary and it becomes harder to resist you know I used to go to the gym a lot and I had a trainer who was hard, he was hardcore man he was an ex-con and he liked to do the jail the prison style workouts you know and and he would have me do all this stuff and at first I'm like okay 10 okay 20 all right let's do another set 20 all right let's do another set by the end of that hour my muscles are shaking the lactic acid so it became harder for me to lift what was easy for me to lift An hour ago and in difficult long trials what happens is is it becomes harder and harder for us to continue to carry what seems easy to carry in the beginning unless you trust God unless you renew your mind unless you meditate in the Word of God day and night and then you'll find success yielding to the spirit of God won't eliminate all of your warfare in your shift but it will produce peace in the storms that often come in times of transition. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth and through your transitions. We have to remain sensitive to his leading so that we don't spend longer walking through the wilderness than we need to. The bottom line is you cannot bow to the Spirit of God and bow to some other spirit at the same time. You can't bow to the Holy Spirit and bow to self at the same time. You cannot bow to the Holy Spirit and bow to greed or fear at the same time. There is but one God, and we worship him and him alone. And when we stop worshiping him, when we stop trusting him, when we stop doing the things that we know to do, is when we get ourselves into a spiritual hot zone. In other words, we are in an area where the enemy can attack. let me say it this way although the enemy can attack you when you're in the will of God (laughs) you've never seen anything like the attack you're going to sustain when you're not in the will of God amen God is good let's move forward here's another one this is where people usually start groaning how is your prayer and fasting life fasting prayer is our lifeline to God and fasting crucifies our flesh. And so together, prayer and fasting. Somebody say prayer and fasting. Mm. Prayer and fasting is like a one-two punch against the devil. So we have to do both. Jesus said, when you when you fast. Jesus said, when, not if you fast. Jesus said, when you fast. Now I understand that some people it's 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 almost impossible to go on like a liquid fast or even a, a, a Daniel fast but you can fast something. If you're going through a transition, if you're going through a time of trial and you're not hearing God, honey it's time to turn off Netflix because the answer is not in scandal it's not in whatever show you're binge watching the answer is not there honey it's not there in it. it's not there you've got to crucify your flesh you got to put it down that means whatever it is that is distracting you from the presence of god must be eliminated from your presence Whatever it is that is distracting you from the presence of God must ah, be eliminated from your presence. You've got to cut it out. If your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out, the Bible says. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off, the Bible says. Whatever is in your life, I don't know who I'm talking to, whatever is in your life right now in this season, beloved, that is causing you to sin, that is distracting you from the will of God, it is time to cut it off. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. and you have a portion you have an inheritance but if you allow yourself somebody say allow yourself if you allow yourself to let people distract you, let the devil distract you, let your own mind distract you, you will never walk into the fullness of what God has for you. You can trust him all you want. You can fast and pray all you want. But if you're chasing little white rabbits, and bright, shiny objects that the devil puts in your face. Ah, you're never going to see the perfect will of God done in your life. Amen. <laughs> Be led by the spirit. Prayer is our lifeline to God. Jude 20 says, praying in the Spirit will build you up in your most holy faith. Your most holy faith. We need to be people that pray in the Spirit as much as possible. Do you intentionally pray in the Spirit? Yeah, you've got to be intentional about everything I was speaking with prophet Vanessa before the service this morning about ramping up prayer because we're going into all these nations now Hong Kong house of prayer up and running Washington DC awakening house of prayer launching tomorrow meeting weekly England Redford we met with the Redford team yesterday or two days ago Redford an hour north it's launched we need more prayer but a lot of times we don't know how to pray like we're supposed to so when we go through trial and tribulation when we find ourselves in transition. We're praying the wrong prayers. We're saying, God, get me out of this. God's like, no, 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 I'm not taking you out of this fire until your heart is joined to mine, until your heart is united to fear my name. You're you're like, God, get these people away from me, and God's like, no, I'm not getting these people away from you, because iron sharpens iron, and you've got some rough edges that need to be whittled off, and you're praying, God, I need some money, and God is saying, no, it's not money that you need, honey, it's more faith, and it's more trust, and you need to stop spending all that money on Starbucks by the way and brew you some folders up in your house hallelujah we pray for the wrong things that's why we don't we got to pray in the Holy Ghost and be intentional yes because you don't know how to pray like you're supposed to pray but when you pray in the Holy Ghost I said when you pray in the Holy Ghost you're praying the perfect prayer you're praying God crucify my flesh God get rid of this bad attitude in my heart that's keeping me back from my breakthrough you're praying the perfect prayer and you ain't got no excuse honey cuz down here in South Florida won't nobody know what you're doing anyway I go up in Whole Foods pushing my cart because we got Russians we got Asians we got Spanish people we got all kind of people talking all kind of languages they don't know what I'm saying I put my headphones in got my phone yeah they don't know what language I'm speaking but they don't care they think it's something guess what I'm speaking my heavenly language you don't have any excuse not to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. One time the Lord said, pray in the Holy Ghost more. I said, more. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in the grocery store. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in the gym. One time we had these different, you know, what do you call those circuit trainings? They're on the, uh, the treadmills and they're on the, the bikes and these are on the rowing machines and all these. And I was on the treadmill. No, I hate the treadmill. The treadmill was invented by a demon-inspired person. I get down with the elliptical. I like the rolling machine, but that treadmill, uh-uh. So they start me off on the treadmill, and I'm there, you know, and I'm like, Ugh. All my teams there, and I just I'm just closed my eyes. I said, I'm just gonna pray. And I'm like, Yeah, They say, turn it up a notch. ba All right, turn it up a notch. Whoa, turn it up a notch. ba And all of a sudden I opened my eyes and I realized everybody was staring at me. <laughs> they said, What are you doing? I said, I'm praying so that we'll win. Hallelujah. There's no excuse. You don't want to look dumb. Some of y'all, you already look dumb because you're looking sad and unhappy. Going into work, looking like your cat died. Holy ghost. Well, I don't want to look dumb. Well, how dumb does it look when you can't, you know, get a new pair of shoes? They got holes in the bottom. You got to pray in the Holy ghost. He's the one that solves all your problems. He is the change agent in the earth. He is the transitioner. Pray in the spirit more. There is no excuse. Number five, are you on fire for God? Are you on fire for God? Pursuing intimacy with God should be a lifestyle, not something that we do when we're in desperation. So many of us, we get desperate for God and we'll turn to him and pray and we'll turn off the TV. But if we lived a life of being desperate for God, if we just understood that we are always desperate all the time, even on the mountaintop, I can't do anything without him. I remember when I got saved in the condition of my life, it was a mess. And he came in and cleaned me up. And put me back up on my feet and raised me up as a voice in the nations. Not because I wanted it, but because he wanted it. I was like Moses. I can't speak in front of these people. I was like, and he was like, don't look at their faces. You know why? Because y'all should see some of your faces scowling at me. I'm like, Oh Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, I know many times we come into the presence of the Lord and some of you may not feel his presence. But it's not about what you feel. You worship him because you know he is. He was and is and is to come. And I guarantee you, if you'll sit in a posture of worship long enough, it's like Mike Bickle taught me. It's like taking a pound of frozen hamburger and you put it in front of the fire and at first the outer edges begin to, to warm and, and thaw and before you know it, that whole lump of meat is just soft and pliable in the hands of God. That is how your heart is when you sit it up in worship before the Lord. It may be icy now. It may be wounded now. It may be hurt now. It may be full of bitterness now but if you'll just keep worshiping the Lord, He will soften your heart and He will bring you into a place of understanding who you are in. T- Teach you how to forgive and how to love. And even in your sorrow in your darkest hour. Number six, have you determined not to quit? What I've learned about a thing is I have to set my heart at the beginning of a thing not to quit. I have to decide what I'm going to do when the attack comes ahead of time. Listen, don't. It, it, it's part of counting the costs. Jesus said, count the cost to see if you're able to pay it. He said, what man goes to war with 10 troops, it, it, not knowing if he can overcome the one that has 300 troops? You've got to count the cost of anything you do. When you're in that transition, when you don't know what to do, get an old fashioned piece of paper. I know we like to use our iPads and our phones. Get a piece of paper and wrote, write pros on one side and cons on the other. God gave you the ability to reason when you get in that place where you don't know what to do write the pros and the cons and count the costs because if you're not sure listen to me if you are not sure if you are not sure about the decision that you're making if you don't know that you know that you know that it's the right thing then you'll take three steps out and the devil will go and you'll just he'll knock you down it won't take much but if you have resolved in your heart if you've come to the absolute, utter confidence that you're doing what God's called you to do. You may feel like quitting a thousand times, but you never will. Over the last three years of my life, I've never wanted to quit more. It's been hard. I've been surrounded by people that have cursed me, torn down what I've tried to build, maligned me. The last three years has been more outer attacks than I've ever seen. In my- I've wanted to quit. I have found myself saying, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it? I could go back and work for Microsoft and make a quarter of a million dollars a year and Amazon and all the Fortune 500 companies that I worked for before I went into full time. I could go and do that and work eight hours a day and eat ice cream at night. I could do that. Is it really worth it? But then God always brings me back around to the moment that he called me. And he is worth it. He is worth it. So whatever you find, whatever transition you find yourself in, when you, when you come to the point of decision, you've got, maybe, maybe you'll come to find out you were wrong. i made decisions thinking I was right and I was wrong. But if you don't think you're right, you'll never make it to the end. If you don't determine in your heart not to quit, the only thing that will cause me to quit is God saying, stop. If that's not your attitude, don't bother to start it because the enemy will take you off course in a minute. Galatians 6 and 9, and let us not lose heart in growing weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Number seven, who are you connected to? Your connections matter. Who you're connected to matters. Success coach Jim Rohn says, and you've heard me say this before, you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're spending your time with a lot of negative people, a lot of people that are in deception, a lot of people who are stingy and greedy, they're not generous people. You're spending your time with the wrong people. Hmm. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. But if you're tied to the wrong people, you can unle- unleash a bad flow in your life. If you're taking ungodly counsel, Psalm one speaks about, blessed is a man who does not take the counsel of the ungodly. There is ungodly counsel sometimes that comes from godly people. Walking with people with corrupt morals, this will affect your life. I want to tell you a quick story. I used to live in a condo on the beach. I still own the condo. I no longer live in it. And I was traveling all the time. I travel a lot less now than I've ever traveled. I was traveling all the time. And I came home one time. There's like these little cockroaches all over the place. And I'm like, this is weird. I'm not even here. There's no food out. There's, you know, the exterminator comes once a month. There's no reason for these, these cockroaches, those little tiny ones, you know. My daughter had already left home. So there was no, you know, ice cream and potato chips and, you know, rotten food stuck under the bed somewhere trying to, you know, you know what kids do, sugar candy all over the place. So I called the building manager and I said, you know, you got to come do something here. There's 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 all these cockroaches. And they said, well, we'll send somebody. They said they sprayed again. They're gone three days. They come right back. I came back from one of my trips. My daughter was visiting, and we bombed the you know bombed the house with all the roach bombs. Left, went out shopping, came back. Dead roaches everywhere. Cleaned it all up. I went out again three days later, traveling. Come home. They're all over all over the place. I'm like, what is going on? Finally, I called the management office, and I said, you got you look. I'm paying a lot of money every month. You're gonna have to come fix this. This is not my problem. There's nothing here. I'm doing this, causing this so they sent out a specialist and they came in they said yeah we see there's an infestation you know and I'm like well where is it coming from They're like why well, I, I don't know and they came back an hour later and they said you know what they said we were just in the condo above yours and the people haven't been there in six months because you know they're snowbirds they're from Canada and apparently they left out a watermelon and it cr- attracted all of these cockroaches and they said this listen, listen catch this now they said because your wall Is connected to their wall they're climbing down through the wall and into your house you could be clean living holy reading your word taking care of your body but I tell you from experience beloved if you are connected to the wrong people if you are aligned with the wrong ones you can get sick in your body you can have financial problems I did I was sick I was getting hit left and right until I went to London last year and a prophet from Scotland saw the assignment and broke it and I've been running a million miles an hour ever since who you're connected to matters you've got to get connected to the right people because when you're connected to the right people their attitude is if you fail I fail if my spiritual sons and daughters don't succeed me and go further than me then I have failed this is why I was so proud in my heart, in a good way, proud in my heart in a good way, when I, when I recommissioned Apostle Jonathan Stidham, and when I went up to help my son in New York City labor in what he's doing there in Times. So I was so proud to see what they've built and what they're building. And I know that, I know that, I know that they will go beyond me. That has to be your attitude with people. You want them to succeed. And number eight, this is the last one, we're going to pray look for angels of transition the Holy Spirit said this to me a couple years ago He gave me a prophetic word and it really helped me to begin to see the reality or to remember the reality of angels you know there are angels all over this room there are angels everywhere they're not omnipresent but they are all over the place and we neglect the ministry of angels but the Bible says in Hebrews The Bible says in Hebrews that ministers are angels. uh, They're 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 servants. They're ministering spirits. They serve the heirs of salvation. Somebody say that's me. Is everybody here saved? Then that's you. The, The angels, part of their function, they're ministering spirits that are sent to minister to you, to help you, to send messages to you. But many times we have, you know, had a uh, woo-woo wookie-booky experience with some, you know, loony Christian that has some unbiblical angelic experience or encounter. And we're like, I don't want to fall into that deception. So we completely shun the ministry of angels. But Jesus Christ himself received the ministry of angels. After his 40 days in fasting, the Bible says the angels minister to him. And so if he would receive the ministry of angels, why should we neglect it? I'm not saying chase it. We chase God. But if God, listen, if God chooses to send an angel to help me, hey, come on in. I'm all for it. I need all the help I can get. If you don't want your angelic assistance, you can give my address and I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take all the help I can get. But the Lord said this to me. Many neglect the angels of transition. You can read this in my book. I'm not going to teach a whole thing on angels, but it's in my book. Angels on assignment again. Talking about all the different kind of angels that we see in the Bible. Somebody say, in the Bible. I don't write about things that aren't in the Bible, or that can be tested against the Bible. Many neglect the angels of transition, and they bypass the help I sent to transition them into the next stage of their journey. Many ignore the angels of transition and therefore fail to enter into the new place I have set aside for them at the appointed time. Many are working in their own strength, struggling in their flesh, and failing to embrace the work of my angels on assignment to help them transition into the new thing. Look for angels in times of transition. Now, you look to God, but know that God can and does send angels. We have to understand that. You have to study that more. I did a whole series on this. I think it was last year. So I'm not going to go back and do that, but study angels. You want to get faith for anything, study it in the Bible. Study what the word says about it. Listen, I know that I know that I know that transitions are no fun. And I'm, I'm going to tell you where we are here as a ministry is we are at a time of great growth. We're in a time and a season of great growth. And that means that we as individuals must embrace the season of growth. We must determine in our hearts that whatever we need to do, we're going to do it. If we need to cut something off, if we need to add something to, if we need to change the way we spend our time, if we need to discipline ourselves in a certain area, God's grace is upon us in this season. Hear me, church. God's grace is upon us, Kathy, in this season to go higher quicker than we have in the past. The word of the Lord of the Apostolic Council Prophetic Elders was, uh, you know, massive acceleration. And we are in growth. Listen, we listen. We started this AM service with no advertisement on September the 30th, October, November. So it's been four months, and all of you are here. Amen? That's called growth. Our afternoon service, there's more people in our afternoon service. So there, there, we're in a season of growth here, and that means that there's a grace on the house for growth. And you, God wants to put a demand on you. When I say demand, I don't mean in a harsh demand. I mean a, uh, a godly pressure on you to rise up Because there's a grace to grow. There's a grace in this season to break out of some bad habits. There's a grace in this season to go higher in the spirit, to go deeper in God. There's a grace in this season to do things that you want to do in your heart. Places of immaturity that you want to grow out of. Attitudes, anger issues, rejection, things like this. There's a grace right now to grow up and out of these things on the house. And if you're here and you're part of this house, whether you're a visitor Or whether you're a member, that grace rests here today. And in a minute, we're going to pray for that if you need prayer in some area of your life. But first, I want to give you an opportunity to give. I want to give you an opportunity to give. And I say an opportunity because it is an opportunity. I want to read you the story. Listen. Listen to this before you start searching for your bag. Listen to this. The best time to give, listen, the best time to give is when you have faith to give. So listen to me for these next two minutes and let the Lord speak to you. In this time let your faith arise I don't want people to give when they're not in faith I don't want people to give out of religious obligation I want people to give because they're inspired that God has spoken to them and told them what to do there's a rich man who was quite distressed over the prospect of not being able to take all his riches with him when he died so before he died he loaded his briefcase with two gold bars from his private vault and left instructions to have the case locked with a key handcuffed it to his wrist, and the key placed into his grave clothes. His family carried out his orders correctly to the letter. When he appeared at the pearly gates, he had the briefcase with him, key in hand. St. Peter asked, what do you have in your suitcase? And very proudly, the man unlocked the case, opened it, and displayed two gold bars. And Peter said, oh, isn't that special? You brought pavement. You're not going to need anything in heaven. And when I read that story, I was reminded of Luke 12. (laughs) You brought pavement. I was reminded that the the streets of of heaven are paved with gold. You're not going to need any of it there. But you will have eternal rewards if you sow. Now, listen, I was reminded of the scripture, Luke 12, 16 through 21. And Jesus told a parable to them, saying, The land of a rich man, somebody say a rich man, produced plentifully. And he thought to himself what shall I do for I have no room to store my crops then he said this I will do I will pull down my barns and build greater ones and there I will store all my grain and goods and I will say to my soul soul you have laid up goods for many years take rest eat drink and be merry verse 20 but God said to him you fool this night your soul will be required of you. Then those, then whose will those things be in which you have provided? So is, so is he who stores up treasure for himself that is not rich toward God. You know, the richest man, the richest woman, is the one that's rich toward God. And we trust him with our life. We trust him with our health. We trust him with all of these things. We can't take this with us. And yes, beloved, yes. The Bible says you will leave an inheritance for your children's children. But do you know that it's not just what you leave behind, but the seeds that you sow that can spring up in their life when they need it? This is why I name my seed. I sow seed for my daughter. I sow seed for my family so that... My daughter has it she will have an inheritance listen I own a million dollars worth of property that's debt free that was either I either inherited it or I worked for it or God gave it to me in some miraculous way I don't have any debt I have wealth she will inherit all of that but how many of you know the inheritance that you want to leave for your children's children is not just money it's wisdom it's right connections because if they lose their soul then what good does that do you if you're not reunited in the sweet by and by? I want to give you an opportunity to sow today. And the Bible says, he who sows sparingly uh, reaps sparingly. And he who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. So I want to challenge you today to give into the kingdom of God and help us to advance this movement, not just in South Florida, but around the world. If you need an envelope for your giving today, if you're using a credit card, you'll need an envelope. If you're just uh, writing a check you don't need an envelope if you're online there's a big give button members of our online campus you can you can sew online and we're going to pray and then we're going to pray for you today for grace for whatever it is you need in your transition we're gonna believe God together making a check you just make it to a hop you can use the text to give there. cash app is dollar sign awakening hop God is good